sometimes I have to just stop myself and say, you're doing a good job because what do we tend to focus on, especially as entrepreneurs, the things we're not doing, the undone things on our to-do list, um, the meal that was, you know, we ordered out on DoorDash versus what was made. I am going to do what I can do and I'm going to enjoy and celebrate myself for doing it. It's just learning to be kind to ourselves. It's learning to set our own standard of success. And this is what I say with my my financial clients as well. It's like, what is your definition of success in all these different areas of your life? When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make, but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Portia Jackson a certified financial planner professional, and an expert in financial wellness coaching. Portia has helped countless Fortune 500 employees achieve financial success, and she has tailored her expertise to benefit online entrepreneurs through personalized one-on-one coaching and workshops. In this episode, Portia takes us on her entrepreneurial journey, from running a fast-growing agency to her passion-driven shift towards financial coaching and personal development. Her story emphasizes the significance of following one's passions and not waiting for arbitrary milestones to start pursuing our dreams. Portia candidly shares the challenges she faced while juggling a thriving business and family life. But don't worry, her story takes a positive turn as she unveils a newfound mindset that allows her to prioritize both financial success and quality time with her loved ones. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey with today's guest. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Today, I have the ever-lovely Portia Jackson on today, and I just have to tell you, uh, Portia and I met in an agency mastermind, and I just loved her from the very beginning. She, Whenever I came into this agency mastermind, it was all men except for Portia. And there she was in all of her glory, blowing these men away too. Like They always they spoke so highly of her, and I was like, well, who is this woman? <laughs> and as I got to know her, I was just in awe of what she had built. and then. Her and I have had this friendship and I've gotten to watch her as she has pivoted her whole uh, journey and her whole business toward a life that she wants to have. And so I'm just so excited to get to talk with her about that today. So Portia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This, Like I said, I love you. I love everything that you do. So any way I can support and share with your audience, I am happy to do so. Oh, well, let's go ahead and dive in. So Let's go back to that agency. I think we were in Florida somewhere. It was the Crusaders Mastermind, and we were there. We're the only women with all of these incredible men. I mean, that was an awesome mastermind. It no longer exists, but um, what an incredible mastermind Nick Robbins had put together. And I know that's when I've ever been. Absolutely. Yeah, it was incredible. I cannot believe you shut it down, Nick. We're talking to you, man. (laughs) But, you know, the the thing is, is that we're constantly looking for ways to optimize our lives as entrepreneurs for our life to match what our vision has. And uh, before we started and we hit record, we're talking about how the, the horizon is kind of always moving for people like us, typically, you know, um, our to-do list is never truly checked off, if you will. And I think there's a fine balance there. I think it's fine to, you know, be who we are and, and know that we're pushing the boundaries. We're always going after something new. But I guess the problem comes whenever we look at our lives and and we do have this 
uh, we reach the horizon and the horizon moves again, right? It's like always moving. And so sometimes we look up and it's like, wait a second, the the, the life that I've built is not representative of, of what I got in this business for. And so I'd love for you to talk to us about where you were whenever we were at that mastermind, because you had a full-blown agency. You were doing the thing. You were making it happen. I mean, you were like five-figure agency and like per month and like doing awesome. Yeah. So when we met at that agency, it was at the point where, you know, they say that there's two problems in business, right? Where it's like you grow too fast or you grow too slow. And I was at the point where I grew too fast, which seems like, well, why would that be a problem? Well, when you go from zero, which is where I was when I started the agency with Nick, and that was in, um, I think, fall of 2019. And then we were we got to 20K months pretty consistently, pretty soon. And then we blew up to like seven-figure run rate all within nine months. I didn't have the infrastructure to handle that on the back end. Um, so lots of marketing and sales, but not so much on fulfillment. And so what that looked like lifestyle-wise was I had to give myself permission to take like half of a Saturday off to be with my family because we were backlogged with, you know, the fulfillment part or reviewing sales calls or all the things that go into a quote unquote successful business. But it it wasn't what I envisioned when I, when I decided to pursue this entrepreneurial route, right? Like when I started, it was way back in 2013, I was in my aerospace engineering job and I was just like, Oh, I'm so bored. I'm like, you know, I think I Googled like how to make $5 million, right? And this was like the <laughs> uh, Facebook ads where everybody's talking about working from the beach and working from like the pool and all that. I'm like, I want to do that, right? So I had this vision of what that looked like for my family, which for the record, nobody does because who brings their laptop to the beach? It gets all sandy and the sun is glaring. You can't see your Yeah, but I'm right. with you. So it was successful on paper. It was successful if you looked at my bank accounts, but it didn't feel successful in real life because I remember it was one weekend. It was that summer. It was 2020. And I was like, okay, this is the weekend I'm going to take off. And it became like a thing around the house. Like mom's taking the weekend off. Like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I don't want to do anything technically, you know? So it was just, it was that odd paradigm of, wow, look at the success and that people pay lots of money to be in masterminds to achieve but it didn't feel like success in my personal life. And at the end of the day, that's why I left corporate anyway, was to enjoy my personal life. And there were many, many times where I'm just like, was it worth it? Like, at least I had my weekends off when I was an engineer. At least the clock stopped at 4.30 when I was an engineer. I'm like, the clock is not stopping. Like, I remember going to bed at two and waking up at like, no, I think I would go to bed at one and I would wake up at like four. 5.30. I don't know. I figured it out with that whole sleeping clock where it's like your REM cycles, like every 90 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I can get four and a half hours of sleep and I should be good to go because I'm not interrupting my REM cycle. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is nuts. Like it just, it didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I, I think every entrepreneur has been there at some point where it was a, a short season or whatever, but whenever it sustains that way and you know, you, yeah, sure. You can press through and try to get to some area of business where you get over this hump, but eventually there's just typically more, more things that could potentially, you know, especially in the agency life. Um, but whenever we were sitting at that table, I remember we were outside of that event and, and I don't know, I think I asked you a question. I'm not, I'm not for sure. You might remember more than I do, but you, you said, this is what I really want to do. And you had this vision for this other business. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I went into that mastermind because every time I go to an event, a mastermind, a call, whatever, I'm like, what is my intention from this? Because I don't want to just be someone that's just like 
you know, floppy fish syndrome. You're just there just to be there. I'm like, what is my intention? So my intention going into that mastermind was, oh, I have a back-end fulfillment problem. I need operations help. What do I need to do for that? But then I was talking with you and I think Laura was there as well. And it just came out and, you know, in the masterful way that you have conversations and just your caring nature, that the agency wasn't really what I wanted to do. What I've always wanted to do from the very beginning of entrepreneurship was blend this, my love of personal development, because I've always been into like self-help personal development books ever since like high school, right? So rich dad, poor dad, success principles, like all that stuff. Like I love just making my, like, how good can I be? What's the best version of Portia that I can be? Um, but, and I also love personal finance. So it was always combining personal finance and money, personal development, the mindset stuff all together, like smushing it all together, like, you know, making like this cute little personal development money baby. But I had to bridge the gap between leaving a very high paying corporate job into full-time entrepreneurship. And so it started with the podcast and then went into coaching and then ads management. And then I niched down in my ads and agency. And then I'm like, okay, I built a successful business, but I don't like this. And then I was just like, well, what do you really like doing? And I'm like, well, this is what my passion is. And that actually was the seed for starting the pivot to where I am today. Because even though it was always in the back of my mind, I always had these self-made milestones in my head of what I Mm. needed to achieve before I could do so-and-so, not realizing that they were self-made and I can change those permissions at any given point in time. So really that conversation actually kind of unlocked that, like, what are you waiting for? You can do this now. You have the marketing know-how of how to build a financial coaching practice because that's what I was doing. That was my niche. That was my agency was marketing for financial professionals. And so it, it started. It 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 would what it, I didn't act out in immediately, but it was like a little a little seed, and then it just kind of blew up as I you know recognized like what what am I here for, um, and why am I hiding behind overwhelm? Why am I hiding behind the business? Let's go out and do the thing that you were meant to do. Oh gosh, Portia, um, I hope everybody's listening to that because I I mean that's what powerful parenting is for me. I've always known that my heart was in family and parents and in helping with this tech stuff. Yeah. And I have this incredible agency that I love and adore. Um, and uh, I, I have really struggled with getting this started because of of kind of mindset and things that I had blocking me and belief of like, no, I can do this too. I can make this happen, you know? Um, but it has truly been an amazing thing to see you do this because Portia, oh my gosh, once you started getting loud, I was like, whoa, like this woman is saying things I don't see other people in the space saying. She's speaking to things that I don't see other people in this space saying. And if if there's any one person, I don't personally have anybody right now, but Portia's on my list. Like I will be hiring Portia for financial help. Like mm-hmm. she's incredible. And so so we have this side of it, which is, you know, following your passion and what is inside of you and just waiting to be unlocked and to come out and to show the world and to do. But I know for you, facing those times when I think you, you know, you had mentioned that it would be, it would be time for uh, you to work. It was nighttime and you're like rushing your kids to get to bed, right? Because it's oh, mommy's yes. work time. Oh, uh, I felt like, uh, I'm like, is there a bad mom club? Cause I feel like that I would be in it during this season. Right? <laughs> the, the agency is thriving, right? So business looks good. It's nice to get those straight dings and notifications and, and Slack the teams like going all like nuts. Like, yeah, we got another one. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. But on the other side, it's like June and I live in Southern California. We live on like this little cul-de-sac with 10 other houses or nine other houses. 
and like you hear the kids playing on in the street. It's not dark yet. And I'm like, all right, because I have three girls that at the time of this recording are 11, nine and five now. I'm like, okay, it's time to go to bed. And I'm like, it's summertime. Like this is where they're supposed to be on their bikes outside. And I'm here rushing them away. Why? Because mom has work to do. You know, and it's like, you know, my husband work, he works in corporate. And so we're both like, oh, we and he has a pretty demanding job as well. So I'm like, man, it just felt wrong because it's like there's, you know, and I always feel like this is kind of depressing when I hear it. But when people are like, you only have like 17 summers left with your kid, like nine summers left. I'm like, what? Who made up this countdown? Like, goodness, goodness." (laughs) as if we don't have enough things on our mind already. No pressure. Right. Now we're counting down summers like enough already. Um, but I, I felt that I felt that a lot where it was just like, oh, this is not what I want them to see as needing what they need to do to be successful. And I've had to do a lot of mindset work of myself. Uh, my parents were great. Like they, you know, were educated and I was taught like you get good grades, you go to a good school, you get a good job. And that is success, um, especially within the African-American community. Like education is like your ticket to freedom, right? Is what we've been taught in that generation. But the message I was also getting from that is you work hard. Look how hard we work for you to have this lifestyle. Look at all the stuff you get to have because we work so hard. And so what do I grow up with? The belief that you have to work hard to get all this stuff, right? And now what am I modeling for my kids that you have to work hard to do all this? And I'm not saying like you, you know, the whole work three hours, eat bonbons and your course makes (laughs) gazillions of dollars a year. I think we all know that's not necessarily true, but you can work in alignment. And that is where that shift from the agency life into financial coaching really took place. Cause I'm like, what am I modeling for my kids? Like they know I work on my computer. Um, they know I help people, you know, in different ways, but what am I showing them? I also want to show them that it's fun to be, have freedom that yes, we work hard so that we can have all the stuff and you can go to the good schools and have the vacations, but look, mom can also go to your random play in the middle of the day. I can be a room mom and go to the, what are the things called? Field trips. You know, we can do all this stuff, but we also have time together. We can sit down and talk to each other. And it's not always rushing off like it was that summer. And so now my goals have shifted from, oh, look how fast I grew the agency to, okay, well, how much time am I spending? What's my stress level? Like, how am I actually feeling versus what's in the bank account? And I believe you can have both. I think you you can have a large bank account and you can feel good and at peace and not overwhelmed and stressed all the time too. Oh, I believe that too. I believe that too. So talk to me though about that, because I think something that we don't always recognize is sometimes we free ourselves with the time, but we don't actually, we haven't actually freed ourselves in our mind. Yeah. Right. So like we might have, we might be off at three o'clock in the afternoon, but if our brain is constantly being driven back or from the hours of eight to three or whatever time you worked on your business that day, it took so much creative energy that by the time you turn off the computer and turn away from the screen, you don't have much left to give. Yeah. Have you ever experienced that? Absolutely. Um, a lot, <laughs> a lot, actually, as I, I think about it, because there's our schedules. I think I said this before we started the recording. It looks like Tetris, not just in the summertime where we're trying to figure out who's at what camp, who has which therapy, but during the school time as well. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is my oldest daughter um, has special needs and pretty severe special needs. She has a condition called lysencephaly. Uh, We found out right before she turned one. So as I'm planning her first birthday party, we're also dealing with why is our one-year-old seizing like 30 plus times a day. So it's definitely been a journey. I mean, she has up to 
almost 20 hours of therapy a week. So in addition to doing the business and have to, having two typically developing kids, we also have Jo. That's her, her name, Johanna. And so that in itself is just, sometimes you just have to, I have to just stop myself and say, you're doing a good job because what do we tend to focus on, especially as entrepreneurs, the things we're not doing, the undone things on our to-do list, um, the meal that was, you know, we ordered out on DoorDash versus what was made, you know, all the, you know, and then it's like, especially with social media, with everybody showing their highlight reels of look at our color coded ice. And I was like, are you kidding me? There's like an ice trend now too. Like, come on. Like, there's no way I'm keeping up with that. You all enjoy this clear ice that's coming from the refrigerator. Like it's old school ice, enjoy the vintage ice, but it's just so much (laughs) to try to keep up with that. I'm just like, I am going to do what I can do. And I'm going to enjoy and celebrate myself for doing it. I'm going to celebrate myself for knocking on an email while she's in physical therapy from the car because it's my mobile Mm -hmm. office. And as opposed to berating myself for not getting a sales page done that afternoon when you're in the car two hours a day, right? So it's it's just learning to be kind to ourselves. It's learning to set our own standard of success. And this is what I say with my, my financial clients as well. It's like, what is your definition of success in all these different areas of your life? Mm. What does it look like to be a successful parent? What does it look like to have a successful business? What does it look like to have a successful marriage or your or successful physical health? Define that for yourself. Because if we continually let other people or society or Hollywood define that for ourselves, we're never going to measure up. Mm. And I personally feel that God has given us everything that we need to be the parent, to be the spouse, to be the friend, to be the sister, to be the business owner, whatever it is that we are designed to be. And if I'm trying to run in somebody else's lane, it's just not going to work. So it's taken a while and it doesn't, I don't always feel like that, but it it goes up and down, right? Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. And other times I'm just like, I'm the worst parent ever. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what, though? I think you bring up a really good point. Two things. I'm going to say it out loud so I don't forget. But The Gap and the Gain by Benjamin Hardy. And then also to just this. And so I'll go back to that piece. But this thing that our kids are dealing with as well as us. And I think, you know, if you look back, even just, goodness gracious, let's just say 50 years ago, right? If we look at 50 years ago. You know, how did how did other people's lives come into our lives where we know what's going on with them, right? It was typically in uh, com- community, right? We right. would be in community. Um, we might have a newspaper, right? Or a radio station or something like that where things would come into our homes. And now we are exposed on every front. And it's not just a, a blip of 10 minutes or 20 minutes into our day. Mm-hmm. Uh, many times and most of the times, if we were to look at screen time on the average American's phone, we're spending three to four hours yeah. on our phone looking at either social media or some other form of it. Um, and that's a lot of information and a lot of things that I don't necessarily believe that our hearts, our spirits, our minds were meant to actually take in and to consider. Right. And so it, like, I'm not saying that we didn't ever have this need to compete with the Joneses. Of course we did. But it the the exponential growth and the amount of it actually in our lives is so so, so, so huge. And I think it's making a huge impact on us. And, and so I think it's really important for us to make sure that we're quieting the noise Mm -hmm. and saying, if I were in kind of a smaller bubble, if I didn't have access to all of this, uh, and rightly deciphering and asking God, like, what is, what should be important to me? Where, where does my creative energy go? Yeah. Is this in alignment with what's going on? Um, in my heart and in my mind, like, is my, are my actions reflecting what's important to me? And 
Gosh, that's hard. Those are really yeah. hard questions, especially because the gap in the gain, right? If we go to that piece, if we if we're looking and we're we're trudging forward, we're doing all the things. I say trudging, and I hate that because I want. I feel like life shouldn't feel like it. You're trudging, right? But if you if it, if you are, that should be like a signal of like watch out. But in Dr. Benjamin Hardy's book, The Gap and the Gain, he talks about like imagining you're climbing this mountain and you're looking up and you see where you're going on the top of that mountain and and you're measuring like man, I'm just not there yet and you're your fingers are cracking and your 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 arms are shaking and you're you're ready to reach the top of the mountain but you've just still got so much farther to go and that's you and the gap between you and where you want to be versus if you could just look over your shoulder and look down the mountain and recognize how far you've come up that mountain yeah how much more so energy will you have if you take action from the gain versus measuring the gap yeah and i think that's so powerful in our parenting journey as well yeah. What are your thoughts on that? No, definitely. Because sometimes, you know, we look back at what we've done for Joe and I actually just cleaned out a room the other day because as soon as we got her diagnoses, my initial instinct was, okay, I need information. And then I pulled up all the Bible verses I knew about healing, printed them out. We decorated them. We put them all over her room. That was my way of getting peace. And so when we moved, um, I had packed them all up. And so I just found them the other day. And so it just made me reflect on like, wow, look how much we've done in this journey. I mean, cause it's difficult, you know, she's still in diapers. She's nonverbal. She basically, although she's 11 physically, she operates more at the level of like a 10 month old as far as mentally. So it's just a lot of, a lot that goes with that. But at the same time, I'm just like, wow, look at this because you are, you're 10 years into being like a special needs mom or whatever you want to call it. 11 years into being a parent like, look how much you've done, you know, same thing with the business. It's like, look how far you've gone. Yes, you've pivoted and changed, but it's always been for exponential increase. It's not just squirrel syndrome. And so I think that's very important to know. It's just that sometimes we have to sit there and acknowledge what what we've done and what we're grateful for in our lives. Well, and I love that because whenever you look at all the different pivots that we do have as entrepreneurs, and sometimes we can be very negative about our squirrel, shiny object syndrome, right? But in reality, in my experience thus far, and I, and I feel like I'm still kind of a noob. I mean, my I just got into the entrepreneurial space officially like eight years ago. And so I still feel like a noob, you know, um, but, you know, it, it's just so crazy whenever I look back, whenever I saw these pivots or things that I did and I feel like, oh, I wasted that money. I wasted that time. I wasted that energy. And, uh, but technically I didn't because everything that I went through then totally compounds in order to create and help with whatever I'm doing now and who I am becoming, right? Yeah. Because I feel like we're in, God is like, God is on this journey. And that's why I love that journey got worked into the name of this podcast, because it's the powerful parenting journey. And we're on this journey in both business and yep. in life and in parenting. And sometimes our, our greatest letdowns or failures can actually turn around and make us into so much more of a better human and to show up completely differently in the world. And yeah. so- I love that you said that because I, I really do feel like it's, it is that journey, right? And so I, I would love for you to talk to us about what this looks like for you. I know, um, and something that was so important for me to people to understand that Joe, she's your 11 year old that mm -hmm. does have disability and she has a disability and it's, it, this is no small thing. Like she's 20 hours of therapy in a week. That's a lot. Like, and, and so and you managing that and what that's going to look like. And, and there's personal care that has to be taken there for her. And, and she's beautiful, by the way. I just, I love seeing whatever you share on social media. Um, and I, I love seeing that part of you as a mother rise up. Mm -hmm. Like you have a daughter that needs you present there. You have three beautiful daughters that need you to be present there. But a lot of people maybe would take a little bit of a backseat and say, 
you know, I'm kind of disqualified from being an entrepreneur and doing anything extra because my hands are already full. I have this 11 year old daughter, but you as a woman inspire me because you don't, you don't shy away from that. And you have truly, it's like the Proverbs 31 woman, like you have found a way to make this business and to do these things, but still be a present mother. And you're constantly pivoting to optimize that in your own life. And I just think that's amazing. But talk to me about uh, what has it been like with your daughter's uh, technology and with your challenges with just trying to meet all the needs of all three of your beautiful girls? Yeah, well, it's definitely been a journey, right? Like that is like a apparently the the word of the episode, right? Journey. <laughs> because it yep. it looks so different, right, for each one of them. So Joe is on the tablet a lot. So when she's not in school or she's not in therapy, we do have her on the tablet because that's actually how she will um benefits and grows as far as like communication. Our other two who are typically developing, we've now started to implement you read to basically earn tablet time. Or you, there's things that they have to do. It's a checklist before you can get on the tablet because that's their whole thing is tablet time. They love YouTube shorts and like they, they know the boundaries. They know what's good to watch and what's not good. And they know kind of what um, is appropriate, inappropriate. Our five-year-old's teacher was so impressed that she knew the word inappropriate because we talk about it like that's not appropriate or that's an appropriate thing to watch. So they, that's not my concern yet at this age, but it is the concern that I grew up loving books, right? And so not to be like the whole, like, well, when I was your age type of thing, but I, <laughs> I, loved, I loved reading. Like I did book it, like to take it all the way back. I don't know if you all had book it, but it's like you read a certain amount of books and you get the star. And when you fill it up, you get to go and get your personal size pizza at like Pizza Hut. And so I loved reading and, and, and pizza, I guess. But so for me to just see them on the tablets, like I get the allure, it's meant to bring and quite frankly, be addictive. Mm. Um, So trying to balance that with, hey, books are still (laughs) like the people who read are people who are successful in life, right? You don't always want to go with just the easy path of like, well, I don't have to do a whole lot of effort to just scroll. I have to do more effort to read. So that that is part of it. Um, The other part really is just coming down to like, I am entrusted to raise these girls and launch them into the world to be productive members of society, to go out and fulfill their God-given purpose. What do I need to do now? What are my gifts or what gifts do I see in them that I need to bring out that's not necessarily on the tablet? Um, and so that's what we're what we're focusing on right now. Um, and also framing it in a way that is a benefit to them. Because if we're just like, no, you can't do it. You have to do this instead. That's not really motivating for them in regards to, yeah. oh, yeah, let me pick up this dusty book from the library, you know, versus like this fun thing that we have on the tablet. So really just still trying to figure it out. And I don't have it mastered yet. Like we're still figuring out, especially during the summertime where I'm like, no, do your summer homework before you get on this. And it's like, I don't want them to see homework and reading and all these things that are beneficial for them as like a bad thing. So just trying to figure Mm. out how to make it fun. Yeah. The balance for that is it's, it's difficult for all of us to find, right? Yeah. I want to jump back to what you said about appropriate and inappropriate, because I feel like, I feel like a lot of parents aren't quite sure that they even should start talking to their kids about what's appropriate and inappropriate. And then furthermore, how do you actually do that? And so it's, it's interesting because this last week, my youngest daughter is 10 years old and there was something and she was with a friend and they, her friend has a phone and they were watching something on, um, I don't know what it was on, but there was a video. It was music. I think it's Spotify because Spotify just rolled out that when you're listening to music, it has like videos Mm -hmm. that'll go along with it. And they actually have their own version of like YouTube shorts or reels. And uh, so journey was sharing us a song with her friend. And she was like, well, 
definitely, you know, this song is great, but that video, it's really kind of inappropriate. So we should put the phone down while we're listening to the song. Mm-hmm. And because there's just like all sorts of lewd stuff, ha- even though the song is like totally, really, truly, in my opinion, fine. They're yeah. not saying anything inappropriate, but they went crazy in this video. And so at some point, uh, actually my daughter who is 15 had said, Hey, you know, if you're going to watch that on that, if you're, if you're going to listen to this on the device, let's go ahead and put the phone down. That's very inappropriate what they're, you know, how they're doing. And, and we had had a conversation around that. Like, what does inappropriate mean? And, and even more so like who defines inappropriate and appropriate and what does it mean for our family? What do the Blakes think about this and help her truly understand the why, Yeah, which I think is one of the deeper most important things we can do. And I, I say this all the time, but rules without relationship equal rebellion. Yeah. And so if if a kid doesn't understand why the rules are there and, and get it and even adopt the understanding for their own selves, which starts young, it starts pretty young. You know, you want to start young to help them understand why you think something is not good for their heart or some why you think something is not good for society in general. <laughs> and so that came up. How did your thought process around, you know, introducing them to what was appropriate or inappropriate come around? And like, what did you actually do practically in order to kind of start having these conversations with them? Yeah. So my husband and I were very intentional from them being in an early age on what's appropriate and what we feel is inappropriate. And it depends on what comes up at the time. So some things we've introduced ourselves. So like we have very open conversations about um, like sexuality and things like that, like your body parts and what they're actually called and why, you know, we want to keep some of them covered because it's, they're meant for a certain purpose and a certain person later on in your life and um, what's appropriate dancing and what, like, if it's inappropriate dancing, we're then saying, this is why it's inappropriate. It's because this is, might cause someone to think this Or, I mean, and it's not, it's less about other people because we can't control other people and what they think, right? Because you can have two different things to show someone and someone's going to, I don't know, be tempted and another person won't. So it's less about other people, but more about what is honoring to yourself and what's honoring to God. Mm -hmm. And then language, you know, so we'll hear something, it'd even be like a a movie where we're like, well, that's stupid. Or they're making fun of someone. And we're like, well, that wasn't very kind. Like, would you want someone to say that to you? That's inappropriate, right? So showing the example of why, um, like you Mm -hmm. said, going back to what's the root of it, as opposed to no, don't wear that. No, don't listen to it. It's like, no, we don't like that because the way they're talking about women. And we know that women aren't stupid, or we know that we're more than just the way that we look. And that's not what that song is talking about, is it? No, I don't think it is. It's like, right. And that's why we're not going to listen to it. Or this person is over here promoting whatever it is that they're promoting, like a belief or an ideal. And it's like, well, we don't agree with that. That doesn't line up with the Bible. And we uh, align our beliefs with what we believe God, were, what God's word says. And so that's the, actually the exact opposite of what we learned in church or what we read last night. So that's why we're, we don't watch that. Uh, we just recently had the conversation because we're canceling Disney+. Plus after some conviction about that, right? And it's like, well, we're canceling this because it's a lot of magic and witchcraft and sorcery. And it's like, while it seems innocent and fun, the Lord has just been telling your dad and I that we're grooming you and we're essentially exposing you to things that are actually, well, we don't use contradictory, but you know, we use big words sometimes and explain them. We're saying it's the opposite of what we believe. So even though it's all fun and games, that's how we start to get used to things as opposed to it standing out saying like, this is not what we believe. So we just really try to, and we don't shy away from hard conversations. We don't shy away from like, I think one, um, one of them came back from school one day and it's like, what does this mean? And she was giving us the middle finger, but it was backwards. It was actually kind of cute. 
And we're like, well, that means this, <laughs> that means this in society. So if you do this to someone, they're going to be offended by that, meaning it's going to hurt their feelings or they're going to think that you're not saying something nice to them. So that's why we don't do that. Or like, it's but a bad word. It's like, well, it's not a bad word, but it's not necessarily something that's appropriate to talk about or, you know, bodily functions or, you know, just all the things that come up with little kids. And it's like, we don't want to just be like, don't say that. We want them to have the tools to figure out what's appropriate. Because guess what? As they grow up, they're not always going to be in our care, right? And so I don't want to raise the kids that's like, no, never have a drink. It's bad. And then they turn 21 in college and they took 21 shots. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's explain (laughs) why this is not good for you, right? Like we don't want them to be sheltered like nincompoops. Like we want them to know what's in the world and how to basically protect themselves from it without being Like, I don't know, I don't want them to be like the judgy people either, but it's just like, this is what we believe and this is what works for our family. If your friends do something different, it just means that your friends' families have different beliefs. And that's what Mm -hmm. that means. And so that's how that's created. Yeah, and I I think that's so powerful because sometimes I think parents may not even actually know what they want to teach their kids Mm -hmm. sometimes. And so kids will bring up things and it's like, well, hold the phone. Um, Actually, what is it that I, I... I do believe about this. What am I? And you have to take the time to actually decide and know through and through for yourself what what does our family believe? What's our family? What are our family stature like pillars and and things that we think are important? And I love that you guys have dug in and you you're, you're teaching that to your kids. And and I, I'm curious because I got to thinking. I know on the the form that I have everybody fill this out whenever they come onto the podcast. I ask you know what's your personality type? And you said that you're an introvert. And I'm so curious with your experience as a parent, do you feel like you being an introvert affects kind of how you parent at all? Like, do you feel a struggle with, um, like, so, like I, I personally, and like, here's an example. I have always thought I was an extrovert my whole life, mm-hmm. whole life. But kind of as I've gotten into my late thirties, early forties, I have started to recognize that I think maybe the way I showed up in life a lot of times was actually kind of like, cause out of survival and performance and and needing to just be everywhere and 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 meet all the people and and I, I think I'm still working on this piece and and I've found now that I'm more actually introverted and that I find that I I do regain my energy by you know having alone time getting to think creative thoughts and do all these different things rather than like people 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 yeah and just being out there and I have um one of my kids my youngest is total like extrovert. The girl never wants to be alone. And I love this about her. She is like my fun life of the party, like just wants to do stuff together. Like let's play a game. Let's go do the thing. Yeah. Nonstop. You can't, you can't fulfill, you can't fill the cup that is there right now with, with enough people. It just, it just has a leaky bucket at the bottom. It's so interesting to me because I'm starting to see this difference in myself of kind of recognizing what do I actually need right now? And in contrast to like the kids that I have and like how they pull on me. And I'm like, wow, this is so fascinating because I don't think I ever recognized it before that I actually need to have isolated time for myself. Cause typically the way it worked was I was just doing everything else so I could get to my kids. Mm-hmm. I was doing everything else just so I could be with them all the time. 100%, like any off time I had, I was with them until bedtime. And then I was in bed and then we wake up and we do it again. It's work and it's being with my family. That's it. You know? And then I, I've started to recognize like, well, hold the phone. I actually, I do need time to myself. Like, I know that shouldn't be a revelation, but over here, Enneagram three, right? We kind of talked a little bit about that, but I'm like the high achiever. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And so it left little time for me to reflect, to, 
to really dive deep into things. And so I've really been working on that the past five, five or so years of my life. And um, I'm curious, have you experienced that being an introvert and kind of how do you balance that with business and everything you've got on your plate? Yeah, no, I've been an introvert my whole life. And that was just confirmed. Like when COVID happened, I was like, oh, I've been training for this my whole life. You want me to stay quiet (laughs) all day? Sure. Not a problem. But yeah, so that I have always needed the time to myself. And that's how I recharge. Um, One thing that has surprised me that's been different with being a parent and being an introvert is the introvert. And I say introvert, meaning that's how I recharge, right? It doesn't mean that I'm not social or I don't know how to talk to people. But the mama bear instinct that comes when you have to protect your kids is is there, I think, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. When I've had to battle with insurance on coverage, when I had to appeal things to the state of California because they were trying to get rid of some service, when I have to speak with the school district, when I'm just like, no, we're getting, you know, you're funding this bed. Like, we're not going to pay for this. And she needs this. It's medical necessities. Like, we've never done it before. It's like, well, there's a first for everything. Like, the mama bear instinct that comes up when it comes to your kids is something that I think I don't want to say surprise me, but I was just like, oh, look at me. I have this like this instinct here. Like, this is amazing that I didn't always have in business because sometimes like even learning how to do sales calls, like I would get nervous and procrastinate. Like, oh, I have to call these people back. I paid for these leads. I have to call them. Um, But it it just gets like, oh, what if they say something that hurts my feet? Like, you know, all the things that come up that we have when it comes to like sales and all that stuff, it's not there when it comes to my I don't like care what you think about me if you think I'm being a pushy mom because my kid's going to get what she needs to get to get this end result. Um, So that has been different. So actually learning from parenthood, bringing that into the business has been beneficial. So I'm like, I love that. I'm like, mom, like total, total mama bear when it comes to my kids. (laughs) I love that so much. And I know that it's, it's, it's kind of, it can be shocking to find out who we are whenever that mama bear button gets pushed, right? Like better watch out better move out of the way. Oh, yeah. And if you've ever seen a mama bear pissed off, like, you know, <laughs> you know, it, and it's like, also cute too. When you see them get annoyed with their, the little bears, if you've ever seen like the little clips where it's just like, Oh, like this bear keeps falling off. Like the baby bear falls off. It's like, Oh, let me get, it's like, she's protective, but she also gets annoyed with her kids too. It makes me feel a little bit better because I'm like, yes. you know, when you see all the Pinterest moms and all the like, Oh, we did all these crafts today. I'm like, Oh, good for you. <laughs> I didn't. hundred uh-huh. percent. <laughs> Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events, testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar, and my kids decorated it. 
And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. Portia, I, we haven't dove into this yet. And I just, I really love it personally because I think it, it helps us kind of look bigger picture and like zoom out a little bit more. So I'm so curious about your family life and how you were parented mm-hmm. and, and how that's impacting how you're parenting your children. And I always think, you know, we have in our mind this idea of the parent that we want to be, that we're always kind of pushing for. And we probably always have this idea in our mind of the things that we just don't want to be yeah. and we're pushing away from as much as we possibly can. And so I'm curious in how you were raised, what is impacting currently with what you're doing with your kids? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I was raised in a two-parent household. My parents are were actually going to Hawaii with them in a few weeks. They've been married almost, it'd be 45 years this year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, whoa. Tell them congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they both worked in corporate. I was an only child. So I was in all the activities. I did Awanas, uh, piano, dance, gymnastics, flute, like all the things. So very high achieving. But also part of that, I think just now looking back, a lot of my worth was in my accomplishments. And obviously it wasn't like, we love you because you did this, but it's all the unsaid things, right? It's like, well, what gets the most attention? Oh, Portia got straight A's. Portia did this. Portia won pageants. Portia like blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, And so growing up, you just start to associate your worth with what you do versus Mm. just being good enough with who you are. So then translate that into parenting. Now with my kids, I have to watch to make sure I'm not passing that down Um, because yes, it, it got me to where I am. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't necessarily want them to think their worth is in what they do or their career or their accomplishments or what's on their resume or what school they go to. I want them to know they're enough because God says they're enough. Mm. I'm also trying not to overschedule their time either, because I don't want them to be raised in the spirit of busyness, right? Which again, where do I get my worth from sometimes being busy? It's like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I'm so busy. And it's just like, well, we must be getting some benefit from that if we're staying there, right? Like we, if we're not benefiting from it, it tends to fall out of our life, right? But I'm like, well, what's the benefit I have of always feeling busy, always feeling overwhelmed and like I have too much to do? It's like, because I was raised that being busy, being working hard, doing all the things is how you're worthy. So of course Mm -hmm. I'm tied to a to-do list that never ends or having a to-do list when you're on vacation, like hello issues, right? (laughs) Um, and so I don't necessarily want that for my kids. So we've narrowed it down where it's like, okay, you all will do no more than three activities at a time. It's going to be physical. So you can appreciate your body and what your body does. So for one, that's Taekwondo for my youngest is she's getting into dance. Joe's excluded from this just because she already has 20 hours of therapy. Like her extracurricular bucket is overflowing. Um, one's going to be music just because it develops a different part of your brain from just academic learning. So I grew up playing the piano, playing the flute. I was in the marching band at Michigan. Um, go blue. Um, so it just, <laughs> you know, and I think a third of the marching band was like engineering majors. Like it just develops a different part of your brain. So one's doing piano, one's doing flute. And then we'll, they'll do Awanas because they're no longer in private Christian school. They're just in private school. And so between church and then what we talk about at home, I just think it was important for me to have that foundation of getting into the 
spiritual practice of memorizing verses, reading your Bible, understanding how to read your Bible versus it just being this big, boring book, like learning how to dive into a verse and having that verse just tell you so much about life versus, oh, I just read the, you know, the book of James. It's like, okay, who cares? But like, are you doing, are you reading it in a way to enact change in your life? And I learned that through a one in church camp and stuff. And I thought that was like truly beneficial in my life and helped me make some lifelong decisions at an early age that definitely I would say prevented <laughs> some unnecessary drama in my life. So those are the three things. And after that, once they're on their own schedule, they can do that. But um, I just don't want them to be so busy, you know, where it's the same pattern of you have to get good grades. You have to be involved in 25 different activities so you can get into a good college. And it's like, no, not so much. Um, Cause our mm. goal is for them to, for college, if they decide to go, is that it's more of an experience. It's more of a networking opportunity um, as opposed to it being like the end all be all of like the rest of your life. Um, Cause we mm, each have love that. successful businesses that are cash flowing, whatever they need to, by the time they leave, that's our goal for 18. Like, Ooh, a great love school, that. but also be self-sufficient so that if you want to take a gap year, take a gap year. It's self-funded, my friends, you know, do it yourself. <laughs> oh gosh. I love that. Yeah. So whenever you're talking about those three activities, I love it because you've got it down down to physical, spiritual, and then tapping into the other side of the brain, that yeah. musical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Awanas, I think, is something, I don't have Awanas in our area. I, I had that in my life whenever I was younger for a short period, and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I think that's something that you can essentially have access to just by going to church. Like when you're at church, it's a part of yeah. the curriculum. or whatever that looks like, you know? So like for us, we also said musical, but for some people that might be art or something else. It's just that since they're still at such a young age, I have to see, well, what activities are available for them yeah. for that. And, and so for you, does that look like, okay, it's the first semester. Like for instance, for us, my second son plays football. So he's got football, but he doesn't play any other sports throughout the year. And then, you know, he can focus on other stuff. Are you doing all three of those um, in, in at the same time, like at the same, like just going on at the same time? Yeah. So they're not quite, I mean, they're going into their rising kindergartners and a rising fourth grader right now. So they don't necessarily have seasons for anything yet. Um, so it's just year round for that. Okay. And then we're getting smart where we're like trying to cluster all the lessons in the same area. So it's like, well, what one person's in dance, the other person's taking Taekwondo or else our whole week is going to be shot oh, yeah. because we know Tuesday nights are out. That's date night. We've done date night since we first started dating. Oh, and for the most part, it's been consistent for 12 years. Well, plus two years of dating. So 14 years. And then Wednesday night is when we have Bible study. So we know those two nights, the activities have to be done by like five ish or so, so we can get home in time. But there is still certain blocks where it's like, nope, this is a non-negotiable. That's awesome. Are there any other ways just to kind of tie this thought and idea up around that you're maybe verbally communicating to your girls around, hey, yes, it's great that you do all these things, but what really matters is who you are right now and you're fully loved and and fully seen right now, just as you are. Yeah, absolutely. So they have an affirmation um, that they say every morning on the way to school. What? So they know when we, when we get our exit, uh, the exit off of the freeway to go to their school, that's when they say their affirmation. So if we're listening to music or whatever, they pause the music and they say it. And it's, um, I to, oh gosh, you say it every morning. So I have to see if I remember it, but it's just like, I am a child of God. I am a King's kid. I am blessed and highly favored. I am smart. I am brave. I am confident. I'm compassionate. I'm talented. I'm healthy. I'm strong. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a calling on my life. I have a God-given purpose. Oh, it's a few other things. So I just listened to him say it, but it's a whole thing. We started it with my middle child. And so she started learning it 
her first year in kindergarten. And so she, between August and then I think it took her until November to memorize it. And she's uh, highly motivated by external things. So her reward was a trip to yogurt land without limitations. And she, she felt it later because she had a stomach ache. So I'm like, oh, do you see the correlation between too much sugar and a stomach? Sometimes you just have to let them experience it, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so now my little one hears it. And so she's been saying it. So now it's her time to start learning it as well, because she's going into kindergarten. But they, they say that every single day on the way to school, because it's all about your identity. And it's like, for us, it's important for them to know who they are before the world starts telling them who they are. Mm. So it's just like, you're smart, you're capable, you can do all this. Yes, you might, you know, because the world will go out there and be like, oh, well, you're a woman, you can't do this. Or you're, uh, you're black, you can't do this. Or it's going to be so hard for you. And it's like, maybe, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could be whatever you decide it's going to be, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like, who cares? Go out and do your thing. Yeah. I picture it with our children that, you know, they, they've got this, uh, placeholder, if you will, for who they're trying to figure out who they are. And and whenever they're little bitty, I don't know that that question is there as much. I think it kind of more sits like more. So the question is whenever they're little bitty, it's, do you see me? Do you love me? And they're, they're looking at their parent, but as they start mm-hmm. getting into that, I feel like the maybe nine, 10, 11 is kind of where it starts, where they really start asking bigger questions to themselves, whether they're fully capable of knowing that they're asking them or not, they are. And then it leads into those tween years. And, uh, you know, I feel like there's this placeholder of like, who am I? Okay. You see me, I see how you see me, but now how does the world see me? And I, I love what you just said there about giving them a blueprint for who they actually are versus, you know, who the world is going to tell them who they're going to be, because if they have that, and then the world starts saying and speaking, they can compare that to that place, that blueprint that you've set there in stone and said, no, this is who you are. This is the standard. This is what God says about you. This is who we see you as. And this is who hopefully by that time you see yourself as. And then whenever the world comes in and says, you're not enough because you don't measure up to X, Y, and Z. We're like, well, actually, you know what? I know the truth is, is that my blueprint says that I am already enough because I am a child of God or because of this or that, you know? And And I think that that is so incredibly powerful. And I love that you've worked those affirmations into your girls' lives. That's just yeah. incredible. I love it. Yeah, we love it. And they they say it. And then I stop if she's saying it, and it's just like me, me, me. I'm like, nope, stop. Say it with confidence. Say it like you mean it. So she knows when it's just like, you know, I'll give you a pass if you're, you know, a little under the weather. But I'm just like, outside of that, the way you say it is the way you start your day. And I'm like, you know what? I need to start saying it too, because it, how much is the world telling us, especially as entrepreneurs of Oh, if you're not making X amount per month, or if you're not, if your close rate isn't this, or if you're not doing this or whatever, it's just like, oh, you're not enough. Buy my course. Right. And I'm like, I was a sucker for that for years. I was such a sucker for a good sales page. And it ultimately came down to, I never thought I was enough. I'm mm-hmm. like, everybody else has the answer except for me. Same thing with parenting. Sometimes it's like everybody else has it figured out except for me. It's just like, no, we're all in the, on the struggle bus sometimes. Everyone. Yes. And I, all the time. I can say that a thousand percent with every single person I've interviewed, every single person so far. And I, w- I was actually just talking to someone and they were like, man, I just felt like after I listened to that interview that that person just had it all together. I was like, whoa, is that what you heard? Because what I heard was X, Y, and Z that they really struggled with this, this, and this. And, and, yeah. and the reality is, is every interview I've had, every single person that's come on, you know, they've been very real that they're in the midst of the journey. And again, going back to the podcast title, like 
it's ever, it's ongoing, right? We're, we're constantly growing as human beings. And yeah, I mean, it would be so, so cool if like we could have a baby and then like, we're the perfect parent just because we had the baby. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I had all the things like, oh, they're going to be eating organic everything and, and you know, no synthetic materials and all this stuff, you know, like all the things. And it's like, it was kind of like that for a little bit. And then like the third one, I'm like, have a Cheeto, you know, you'll, you'll be fine. You're not going to spontaneously combust. Like you'll be fine. And when at my very first business was the Working Motherhood podcast. So it was all about just talking about working moms because that's what I knew at the time. And one lady, uh, I remember she was a guest. She talked about having like this 18 year plan where it's like you would plan out like what holidays are you celebrating? How are you celebrating them? What traditions do you want? What memories do you want to make? I'm like, oh, that's so good. And me being me and my perfectionistic tendencies that I'm currently still overcoming, I was like, I'm going to write this down and it's going to be awesome. Well, you know, eight years into it, I'm just like, oh my goodness, like I only have nine summers left, right? Like going back to what we were talking about before. I'm like, my plan's not done. I'm like, but the holidays have happened. The traditions have happened. So whether we're intentional about it or not, the time is still going to keep moving. Time is no respecter of persons, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just going to keep on going. It's just like, it's not about being perfect. It's about doing the best that we can do. 100%. Yes. So like today I cut the crust off the PBNJ, you know, so yay for me. (laughs) Knows that I cared. And like, I remember to put a note in the lunch tomorrow, I'm probably going to forget, but I might do something else that they like, you know? So it's just like, yes. it is what it is. The treat every now and then is a sonic slushy. Are they going to be obese by the time they're older? Probably not. Cause they do a whole bunch of other things, but in that moment they were happy. I'm happy. It's 99 cents. It's half off with the app, you know? So I'm happy. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> I love that so much. And we got to keep it real because the reality is, is that I think sometimes we forget even in for ourselves in our entrepreneurial journey that, you know, failure is usually the pathway to success. And I think that whenever things aren't perfect, it's kind of where things get seasoned, right? Like That's you so good. failure is a pathway to success. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. And 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 you know, it's so true with parenting as well, because our kids need to know that we're not perfect. They need to know yeah. that we don't have it all right. And 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 I think that's supremely important. And so many times there's so much resentment and things that can get built up because parents are so busy trying to be the perfect parent. When in reality, all the kid wants is for you to be yourself and to be you with them. And I say that loosely because, you know, there's definitely different ages that that's really appropriate with. You don't want to put your personal issues on like a little bitty kid, but you know what I'm saying? Like as the kids are getting older, like my kids know that mom and dad, both in our family struggle with consistency. So we'll start Mm -hmm. something real strong. Um, We will go for it, have a great plan. And then we'll know that, you know, most likely it's probably not going to last that long. And I have grace for myself. (laughs) Yes. Man, whenever I homeschooled, I actually created my own curriculum to where, I mean, I'd always buy the curriculum, but it was always based off of this calendar, right? And what I just found was after six or eight weeks of doing homeschool consistently, I would just self-sabotage or just completely be burnt out. And so, uh, cause I give it all, I give it everything, you know? Yeah. And so on that sixth week, I just implemented a week and a half of no school. Like, and that's not normal. That's not a normal curriculum. I'm not even recommending to anyone listening to this, that that's what you should do. But for me at that time, I knew that that's what would work for me because I had to have a reprieve or a break or an ability to not have to be consistent for this extended period of time. Cause my creative energy would just be, gone and rent. And that's not good for my kids. And so helping them to understand and see that mom is not perfect. And, um, even now, you know, my kids go to a, um, it's like a a co-op type of school where they're in school Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and they're at home Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we do homeschooling on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And 
my olders are, you know, so capable that they, I don't really feel like I homeschool at all on Tuesdays and Thursdays with them, but my youngest, definitely we do. And so in, in this new situation that we have, many of the mothers at this school are, they're all just phenomenal, beautiful women. Um, but most of them don't have, uh, their own business and they're not working another job. They just get to go up there and like, just be mom, you know? And so they're involved in all the things and all of that. And, and I don't try to put that on myself. And I talk very clearly with my kids about, look, this is what mama's doing. This is what I've built over here. This is where you can be a part of it. And this is how this works. And, you know, just really bringing them on, on my journey and, and, and helping them see my own confidence in the decisions that I'm intentionally making around our lives and things I'm going after. But that does look like I am not the mom who's um, in it, you know, doing the volunteering in the art room to restaple whatever, and they got to see so and so's mom at that time or whatever. And I think that's a beautiful part about it because my kids know I can't be everywhere for all things at all times. But man, when I'm there, I am there. They will. Yeah. They will have quality. They may not have quantity all the time. I try to give quantity as much as I can, but they will have the quality. Mm-hmm. Mama will be present. Mama will see you for who you are. We'll do the things that yeah. you love to do and, and do them together and do them well. And so I think it's so important that we recognize that, you know, again, like you said, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about being a powerful parent. It's about showing up yeah. and how to how, today, how can I show up powerfully for my kid today? Right. And, and, and that might look way different than it did yesterday. Right. And so it most likely will. And I know for us too, the thing that I, you know, going back to how we, I grew up is it was almost like bad to be like sad or to be upset or crying. I remember getting in trouble for like crying all the time. Like I made a mistake. I would cry about it. So it's just like, you just learn to be happy. And then when you're older, it's just like, what are these emotions I'm feeling? I can't put a name to it because I was basically taught to suppress. And my, my parents were great parents. Like they with good intentions. Like who do, who nobody wants their kid to run around sad all the time. Right. Not that I was like depressed, but it was just like, I was very hard on myself. Again, that perfectionistic tendency. And so now to counteract that, we actually have like a feelings wheel in our house. Cause if I'm like, how are you feeling? I'm fine. I'm like, nope, pick out a word, you know, and for our little one, we try to explain what the words are because she's in the midst of learning how to read, but it's being okay with those feelings. And it's like being okay with, I'm sad. Well, what does sad really mean? Cause it's like a surface level feeling, but teaching them like, well, I'm sad because I feel lonely right now, or I feel embarrassed, or I feel discouraged because I got something wrong on a test. Like actually being able to say it and work through that is like a big thing for us too, because it's something we're learning now as parents. And we tell them that we don't always get it right. It's like, I'm sorry, I was short with you. I'm sorry. I used that tone with you. That wasn't very nice to say. Um, Cause that wasn't necessarily modeled for me. It was just like, we just moved on and stuff was just under the rug, you know? Yeah. Whereas with us, we want our kids to be like, we can come and talk to our parents about anything. So if they have a question about, you know, sex or growing up or puberty, or I feel sad, or this person made me mad, or I really wanted to hit something. It's like, it's okay to say that it might not be okay to stay there forever, but it's okay to acknowledge it and move through it. And that's where we can help you. Oh, I love that. Where did you get that wheel for everybody listening? Where'd you get that? On Etsy. I'll find it. If you want the link, I'm sure I can find it, but it's just, okay. Yeah. Cause it's like six, I think it's like six core emotions and then they branch out to secondary emotions and then like uh, a third layer of emotions uh, uh, as well. And it's been helpful. For, it was helpful for us, even like in marriage counseling, where it's like, instead of just saying, I'm mad at you or I'm frustrated. She's like, what does that really mean? It's just like, I was feeling lonely because I wanted to spend time and watch a movie with you and you wanted to do work or whatever it was. It's like, oh, that's so good. That's saying so much more than just saying I'm frustrated. Oh, 100%. Okay, so we'll we'll get that from you and put that in the show notes so that anybody's listening can go check it out. 
Uh, so Portia, I, I would love for you to think for just a second and you can take a minute if you want to, but think about the people who are listening and, and, and your own parenting journey. If you can think of anything that you want to leave everybody with, like your best parenting advice or the thing that's working for you or just any thought, because I feel like, you know, both you and I are believers and, um, you know, it talks about in the Bible, how there were these Titus two women mm-hmm. who, you know, you could learn from the mothers who had already walked the path before. And I just feel like in our culture and in our communities, there just doesn't seem to be much of that happening. And so I love to always at the end of these to uh, open it up and just, you know, is there any wisdom or things that you've learned that you would want to leave everyone with? Yeah, oh, so much. The I'm just going to go with the one that came to my mind first. And it's that you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm. And I think we live in a culture of, especially in American culture of whoever's doing the most wins, who's ever most exhausted or who's ever the most tired wins. It's like, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm busy. You know, busy is always, it's like our natural inclination. It's like almost as if it's a badge of honor. But when it comes to parenting, I don't think that should be the badge of honor. And I think getting help. So whether it's, you know, you have a cleaning crew come in once a month, if it's not in the budget to do it, you know, every week or whatever. Um, getting someone to babysit or doing a babysitting swap so that, you know, maybe one weekend you go out with your, your spouse or your friends or yourself. Right. And then the other weekend, maybe you swap with somebody else so that they can do the same knowing where it's like, Hey, I can't pick my kids up for those half day. Um, cause my kids have like half day school on Wednesdays. I'm like, what's that about? I never got a half day on Wednesday, but if it's like, if you have a client meeting, make friends with somebody else at the school and be like, Hey, can you pick my kid up with yours? I know you're picking your kid up. Like, can I pick them up from your house three hours later? You know, or if it's just like, um, I don't know, whatever it looks like in your life, you don't have to do everything yourself. And we talk about outsourcing and VAs and all this stuff with our business. I think the same goes with our house. Your kids are not going to remember who did the laundry. They're not going to remember who in the bathtub when they're older, but they're going to remember if mom or dad were exhausted and didn't have time to spend with them. Um, right. Cause they're trying to do all the things. It's like use Instacart. Yeah. There might be a premium fee for what you're paying, but if it takes one thing off your list and you get to relax and watch a movie, relax and watch a movie and pay that extra $10 with tip or whatever, please tip your Instacarters, you know, your shoppers, but it's like, think about the way, the things that you don't have to do. Um, and along with that, it's just like, everything doesn't have to be done all the time. If you go an extra week without changing your sheets, Again, you're not going to break out in hives, I don't think, right? And if you do, then maybe that's not the thing that you give up, right? Maybe you do change your sheets every week. You know, if your your kid skips a bath, as long as they're not the stinky kid in class, then you'll be all right. Like, it, it, it's fine. Yes. Oh, my gosh, that's so good, Portia. And I love that. I always love whenever we have these conversations and it ends in, like, grace, you know, giving yourself grace for those things because there's mom, dad, mom guilt, dad guilt. Like there's, there's, there's business guilt. There's just flat out husband and wife guilt. There's all the guilt out there to choose and to pick, to pick and to choose or to ignore. Right. So there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll, they'll go through their, their journey and, and kind of ignore all of this stuff. And, and it's so, so, so important for us to make sure that we're not assigning things to ourselves to be super women, super men, right. To just do every single thing. Cause um, our world isn't perfect and we're not perfect. Right. Right. And we can aspire to do great things and to be phenomenal, amazing parents and with and reason to make sure that we're utilizing all the resources we have available to us. So I think that's an awesome encouragement, Portia. Um, so Portia, as we're wrapping it up here, cause we're coming around to the hour, 
I just want everybody to know how they can learn more about who you are and what you've got going on. And I want you to tell them about what you're doing as far as finances go and the offerings that you have, because I just, I think it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. So if you all want to learn more, um, you can find me at wealthyandfulfilled.com because I think it's important to not just be wealthy, but to enjoy what your wealth as well in your life and living out your God-given purpose. Um, and so I work one-on-one. I also have some workshops and some challenges for um, online entrepreneurs specifically. So it's like you're doing all this work to make money through your business, but it's like once you have the money, what do you do with it? You know, little hacks too about how do you get your kids involved with your business so you can pay them so they can start building wealth because one of the biggest things um, when it comes to wealth is the time value of money. The earlier you start, the easier it is. So hire your kids and your business. There's ways you can do that legally and ethically. They can learn about what you're doing and build wealth at the same time, tax-free. So all sorts of different things. So yeah, so the big hub is wealthyandfulfilled.com. And if you're looking for a financial coach or financial assistance, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to help. And also too, I want to say Portia is a mean MC. So if you're doing an event, I'm telling you, I don't know if she officially wants that out there, but she is an incredible MC for events, guys. So Portia, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you and all the wisdom that you've brought today to everybody and everybody go check Portia out. And until next time, thank you for tuning in. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.